chapter 16. Verse 13, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Amen. Over recent years, there has been a fundamental shift in matters of religion in Great Britain. And what began as an almost imperceptible, subtle move away from Orthodox Christianity into a much more broader, multi-faith, multiculture society. And now Christianity is no longer seen in Great Britain as the bedrock of our society. But rather it's just one of the many uh, religions that you can be involved in. And uh, if you want to worship as a Christian, if you want to worship as a Muslim, if you want to worship as a Hindu, fine. That seems to be the multicultural way. In fact, even Prince Charles, one of his official titles is defender of the faith. The faith being Christianity. But he himself has said that he would rather be called defender of the faith or defender of faith, but not Christianity on its own. And so we see a downgrading of Christianity. We must not, we dare not offend other religions. In fact, it's even gone further. We dare not offend even the non-religious. Even if you're an atheist, you dare not cause an offense. Well, so what, some may say. What difference does it make? Why should Christianity in our country be any, treated any differently than any other religion? Why not just treat every religion exactly the same, equal in every way? What does it matter where you hang your hat on Sunday as long as you sincerely believe what you believe? But the difficulty with that is, the problem is that Jesus Christ, the founder of Christianity, is not just any other religious leader. And Christianity is not just another religion. How is Christ unique? Why is Jesus Christ unique? Somebody rightly said that the last battle of the Christian age, as was at the first, will rage around the person of Jesus Christ. And that is a fact today. Now consider this just for a moment, if you will. There are three great religions in the world today. There's Judaism, there's Islam, and there's Christianity. And then there are other major religions like Hinduism and Buddhism and Sikhism and all kinds of Eastern faiths, lots of them. Now when we, as Christians, whenever we declare that God made heaven 
and earth. At that moment, we part company with Hinduism and Eastern faiths because they are pantheistic. Pan meaning all theistic God. So they believe that all is God and God is all. And so that's why the worship, Hindus worship millions of gods because they believe God is in everything and everything's God. Now we believe as Christians that God is the creator, the maker of heaven and earth. He is the creator. He has created a creation, but he's separate from his creation. God and his creation are separate. He's the creator. It's the creation. Now, when we as Christians, whenever we call Jesus Christ God's Son, then immediately we part company with Judaism and Islam. Because in Judaism, they believe certainly that Jesus Christ was not the Son of God. In fact, because Jesus called himself the Son of God, that's one of the reasons, the chief reason why they crucified him. And an Islam does not believe that Muhammad had a son. It's blasphemy to say that Allah, beg your pardon, had a son. That's blasphemy. Muhammad was not a son. He was just a prophet. The main prophet, but a prophet. And so we part company then uh, with, uh, of course, with Judaism and with Islam. So when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ, the Christian stands alone. Now, of course, in a multi-faith society, in a multicultural society, that is just not very popular, is it? And it's increasingly becoming less popular. For us to stand up and say that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He's the only one to be worshipped, you can see right away that that is a problem. And it's increasingly becoming a big problem for Christians. However, He's not just another prophet He's not just another popular religious leader. He's not just a great role model. He is, he was and he is, the Son of God. And if he is the Son of God, then we have got to make up our minds about that. And it brings us into a place of decision. Now what an incredible statement Peter made. And by the way, we mentioned this verse this morning in another context. What an incredible statement Peter made. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus immediately said that this was something that came from the Father, excuse me, to his heart. It wasn't something he thought up. It wasn't something that was a figment of his imagination. It was something that came from God right into his heart, a revelation from God. And he spoke it out and he shared it. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now the Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, he confirms this when he said that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, isn't that interesting? Now, of course, that doesn't mean to say you can't literally verbally say it. Of course, you can say that. But to say it and mean it, to say it and actually believe it, he said you can only do that by the Spirit of God. So believing that Jesus Christ literally is God's Son and that he is Lord, it is something of the Holy Spirit it is the Holy Spirit who quickens the heart to believe that. It's not just something you learn. If you truly believe it, 
It has come from the Holy Spirit. That's what the Apostle Paul said. That no one can call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So what we think then of Jesus Christ is absolutely vital. And then, of course, these astounding words that Jesus said in John 14 and 6. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, what an adamant statement that is. What a very dogmatic statement that is. It doesn't leave any room for any argument whatsoever. You know, people say to Christians, you're very dogmatic. You're very intolerant. So point them to that scripture and say, well, this is what Jesus said. So what do you say? Because the fact that Jesus said this, either this is the word of an arrogant, intolerant, dogmatic, religious nut who is self-deceived, an egomaniac, or... It is the word of the Son of God, and therefore it is absolutely true. But it can't be both. It cannot be both. It is either one or the other. If all religions lead to God, in fact, if any other religion leads to God, then Jesus of Nazareth is a fraud and a deceiver because he nailed his colors firmly to the mass when he says, no one can come to the Father except through me. Now this is a, a statement that Jesus made that every one of us as believers, not only we ought to believe it, but we need to start to declare it. And it's going to get us into trouble because it's not going to be popular in the present climate. And it's going to become less popular. And people are not going to like us saying it. And they'll tell us so. But Jesus said it because it is true. Listen to what some of the giants of the New Testament said. Paul said in 1 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. One mediator. One way. <laughs> Peter said, in Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. Even John the Baptist, we read this this morning, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And in the Apostle John in John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, to those who believe in his name. So all of the gospel writers, if you read through the gospels, you'll find that somewhere along the way, all of them declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's only one way, and that is through him. Now, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one can come to the Father except through me, what kind of statement is that? Uh, I heard somebody say uh, that we can make different kinds of statements. For instance, uh, we can have a feeling statement. Uh, I could say, my wife is the best wife in the whole world. 
And you could say, hold on a minute, David. My wife's the best wife in the whole world. And Clifford may say, well, you're both wrong. Because Evelyn's the best wife in the whole world. Because that's a feeling statement. And then there is a preference statement. Coke is better than Pepsi. Ford is better than Vauxhall. McDonald's is better than Burger King. So that's just a preference, isn't it? may not be your preference, but it's a preference. But then there are religious statements. And this man said that, that religious statements often are community-loyal statements. Community-loyal statements. What does that mean? That means because my people believe this, so I believe this. My denomination believes this, so I believe this. My congregation believes this, so I believe this. I believe it because they believe it. I believe it because my community believes it. Therefore, I believe it. But what kind of a statement then is when Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, no one can come to the Father except by me. Do you think that's just a feeling statement? Do you think it's a preference statement? Do you think it's a community loyal statement? <laughs> no, that's a statement of truth. Whether you feel like it, whether you prefer it, whether it's part of what your community believes, this is the absolute truth and nothing but the truth. And so what you decide to choose will ultimately determine the eternal destiny of your soul, won't it? And so quickly, because we have supper after this, I know you're dying to get to that. There's the ladies going, look, to get it ready, look. I've only been about another 45 minutes, Joyce, you're all right. <laughs> I'm only joking. You say, David, you don't often joke like that. So let's just have a little look at these statements. Because if they're not true, then Jesus could not have been a good man. In fact, he would have been a thoroughly bad man. If they're not true, he could not have been a moral man. He'd have been a liar and a cheat, a deceiver. If they were not true, he could not have been a prophet, but he'd have been an imposter and a fraud. But if these claims of himself and others are true, then he is the Son of God. And he made statements which claims from his perspective that he is the Son of God. In John chapter 14, John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. 
And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And so in this discussion he's having with the disciples, he's making it very, very clear that he and the Father are one. Not that he is the Father, but if you've seen him, you've seen the Father, because in essence, he's what the Father's like. And so he's aligning himself, he's equaling himself with the Father God. So what's that making him? Making him God, isn't it? The Son of God. And so he's telling them who he is. In John chapter 9. Verse 1. Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Well, of course, everybody's a sinner. He didn't mean they never, ever sinned in their life. But he's saying, this is not the cause of this. This is what he's saying. But that the works of God should be revealed in him, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. And so he went and washed and came back seeing. Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind blind, said, Is not this he who sat and begged? And some said, This is he. Others said, Well, he's like him. And he said, I am he. Therefore they said to him, Well, how were your eyes opened? He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. And then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. And they brought him, who formerly was blind, to the Pharisees. Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made clay and opened his eyes. That was the reason he did that, by the way. To break their stupid and silly rules that he hadn't made, that God hadn't made. That was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay because that constituted work, by the way. He spat in the ground and made a little mud pie. You were working. Then the Pharisees who also, also asked him again how he had received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay in my eyes and I washed and I see. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things, such signs? And there was a division among them. They said to the blind man again, 
Why do you say, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him, that he had been blind and received his sight, until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. And so they called again the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Well, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become one of his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not of God, he would do nothing. He could do nothing. And they answered and said to him, You are completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Could anything be any clearer and plainer than that? Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Glory to God. And so, in several occasions, Jesus makes the claim that he is the Son of God. I haven't time to read tonight, but Mark chapter 2, the first 12 verses, you'll find the same principle involved there. And in Jesus' great prayer for the church, Jesus' great prayer in John 17, which he prays for the church, six times in that one prayer, he said, you have sent me, speaking of the Father. Six times in one prayer, you have sent me. I was sent from God. So over and over again, he has the claim to be the Son of God. His own description of who and what he was. In John 6, he is the bread of life. In John 4, he is the water of life. In John 1, he is the light of life. So that's the very sustenance of life itself, isn't it? It's the very maintenance of life. We need bread, we need water, and we need light. It's vital. You can't live without it. And Jesus said, I'm your bread, I'm your water, I'm your light. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the divine alphabet, in other words. Paul says, in him we live and we move 
and we have our being. John said, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All right, just one more bit of evidence. How do we know that he was the Son of God? Because he accepted worship again and again. You know, in Luke 4, 8, Jesus said, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And then Paul in Colossians 2, 18, forbids the worship of angels. And Acts 14, if you haven't time to read it, but Paul and Silas, after a tremendous miracle of the man of Lystra, the crippled man, and the pagan people wanted to make them gods, called them after their gods and was wanting to put a big celebration on for them as gods among them. And they cried and they tore their clothes and says, we're not gods, we're just men. They wouldn't accept the worship. They forbid the worship of man. But Jesus, again and again and again, accepted worship. In fact, we read it there in that last scripture. The blind man, he worshipped Jesus and Jesus received that. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And he didn't rebuke him, did he? He received that. Whenever they cried on that first Palm Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he. He comes in the name of the Lord. He received that worship. He says, if they don't do it, the very stones will cry out. And so in different ways, ways again and again, he declares himself to be the Son of God. C.S. Lewis said that Jesus can only be one of four things. In closing, either he was a legend, he really didn't exist. It's just an old story that was made up. But history records him. Pliny, Tacitus, Flavius Josephus, the Jewish historian, all of them and more record that this man called Jesus of Nazareth walked this earth. The Encyclopedia Britannica has more to say about Jesus than any other religious leader in history. And by the way, I'm sure you've noticed that currently that uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Le Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice is trying to reestablish their, their play, Jesus Christ Superstar. And the BBC has given them carte blanche to put it on. The whole thing is a mockery. It's a mockery. In fact, Tim Rice has said that he felt that Judas got a raw deal and he felt he wanted to put the record a bit straight and try to make out that Judas was really a good man and tried to be helpful to Jesus and Jesus didn't listen to him and all the rest of it. The whole thing's just blasphemy from beginning to end. I hope you're not involved in any way in it. So he said either he was a legend or else he was a liar. You know, if Jesus wasn't who he said he was, then he was the world's greatest liar because he made the world's biggest claims, didn't he? 
But you know, you only got to read the four Gospels and, and you'll certainly see he was no liar. In fact, nobody, nobody, nobody could pick him on that point. Even Pilate says, I find no fault in this man. Again and again and again, people could not find a fault in him. So Lewis says he's either a legend or a liar or a lunatic, a self-deluded man, a madman, an unbalanced mind. But if you read the Gospels, he was far from that. He was calm. He was always in control. Shows no signs whatsoever. Even a casual reading of the Gospels will show you a man who was totally in control of all of his faculties. So that must mean then the only thing he could be was who he said he was. The Son of God. The Creator of the ends of the earth. The Lord of glory. The King of kings and Lord of lords. In C.S. Lewis' book, Mere Christianity, here's what he wrote. He says, A man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said wouldn't be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be a devil of hell. You must make the choice. Either this was and is the Son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God but don't come up with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great moral teacher. He hasn't left that alternative open to us and he never intended to. <laughs> See, Jesus forces us into a decision, doesn't he? To make that choice. Right, last little thing before we close. Anonymously, an unknown author wrote this. It says, Buddha never claimed to be God. Moses never claimed to be Jehovah. Muhammad never claimed to be Allah. Yet Jesus Christ claimed to be the true and the living God. Buddha simply said, I am a teacher in search of the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Confucius said, I never claim to be holy. Jesus said, who convicts me of sin? Muhammad said, unless God throws his cloak of mercy over me, I have no hope. Jesus said, unless you believe in me, you will die in your sins. And so as believers tonight... This is the one that we serve. And this is where the battle lines are being drawn. Amanda Patel, who writes a, a, a column in the Daily Mail, writing about Jesus Christ's superstar, this non-saved woman, doesn't like it. She says, I wonder whether they have the courage to write that about Muhammad. Hmm. I don't think so. But Christianity and Jesus is open for all kinds of accusations and slurs and slanders. And that's going to get worse. And so we're going to have to stand up and declare, aren't we? And be absolutely sure of who he is so that whenever we say that, we know in our hearts that's exactly who he is. It's going to come down to that because that's where the battle will rage around the person and the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.